You're listening to a sermon from Oak Hill Fellowship Church, located in Strasburg, Pennsylvania. You can learn more about us by visiting oakhillfellowship.com or finding us on social media. Now grab a Bible, a notebook, and get ready to be spiritually enriched by the Word of God. Father, we're going to open your word just now. More important that I speak, it's important that you speak. And if I thought there was no chance that I wouldn't, wouldn't do this this morning, I'd Visual of purposeful disciple making is to go from 
avoid or ban. So what's that look like? Um, yeah, that'll be fine. Right here, guys. It'd be great. So I feel like I know the things pretty well. Charlie has gratitude for manhood. I've heard One of them was um, I've observed his life. I've, I've talked to him about many things, and I'm, I'm, I'm confident in that. And uh, Joshua, his son, is um, still a child. You're growing pretty fast. There's no doubt about that. Um, so one of our descriptive words is intentional. Now, if Charlie was an unintentional dad, there's probably certain things that, that even if he wasn't paying attention at all, that mom would provide or whatever. And, and some of those very basics are, are I would say, like food, clothes, shelter from the weather. And I know the, I know the kings have that. But what, what if, what if, what if this parenting was completely unintentional, and that's all that was provided? Well, Joshua would grow up to be probably about as tall as his dad. Um, if that was all that was provided, this completely unintentional kind of prayer, we could have we could have an eighteen year old that didn't know that green beans were good for him and illegal drugs was bad for him. You know, like if we didn't teach anything. I've heard Charlie talk a little bit about parenting. And I know, I know, I know, I've observed that in the King household, it goes way beyond that. There's intentional conversations that I've heard described about, about life and respect and all kinds of things. It, it, it needs to cover the whole, the whole of becoming a man, right? Uh, makes quality time. Uh, there's regular Camps, at least there was at one time. Um, still happening. Uh, <laughs> I just love that. I just love that. Climate uh, control, and we're, we're we're accomplishing we're accomplishing what's important about those experiences without suffering the negative effects that don't get us a lot of seeing these guys in high school football games together. Father son time. Um, now there's another aspect to it. What if Charlie would say, um, well, I like physics. Charlie likes physics. Charlie likes physics. If Charlie would say, I like physics, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow Joshua up. He's my son. I'm going to grow him up to like physics. In fact, I'm going to grow him up to be a physics teacher. Uh, I'm going to grow him up to be a physics teacher at, I don't know where, um, maybe some fancy college somewhere or something. And if Charlie kept going with those kinds of things, at some point we would be saying, Hang on here just a second. There's things about that growing up that you don't control. God controls you. Um, maybe Joshua will be gifted in physics and maybe he'll be gifted in something completely different than physics. I don't know what the opposite of that is. Um, maybe you'll want to become a nurse. Um, so... <laughs> As we go through this this morning and, and continue to, th to think about this, this analogy, I want us to remember that there's things that, just like a parent provides, um, the church needs to provide, and then there's other things that aren't ours to provide because it's what God provides. 
And certainly, if Charlie were to say, you know, we're going to feed Joshua right, and then he's going to grow to be six foot one, we'd be like, uh, maybe he will, maybe he won't. That is, that's not part of what you control. Um, so, thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Um, continue to parent well. As parents, we provide the environment. Provide the tools needed, but there's so much that growth that God provides, and, and it's a it's the same way spiritually. So the big idea this morning is to equip every believer to grow to maturity. Equip every believer to grow to maturity. And certainly, as that example points to, there's a lot of things that. The believers around you in the church is called to and needs to provide to make all that happen. And then there's a lot of other things that God provides. And as an elder, I've found that a lot of times I'm thinking like God's next provision is going to be right here in this way with this person. And then we're going like, whoa, look at that, Greg. Never saw that coming. It keeps it exciting. All right, let's read the text. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, if we look at verse 12 there, we see the words equipping, equipped for the work of ministry. So I'm going to say the equipped part is, is one of the parts that God gives us to bring. And the equipping that, that we do here at Oak Hill would be um, like all those ministry jobs. Um, from usher to gospel community leader to leading worship um, ministry coordinators. There's, oh, there's stuff. I'm sorry I didn't mention yours. All those things are ministries, but they're also the framework within where real ministry can happen among each other and be done. Uh, that real ministry I would describe more like spiritual relationships, uh, mutual care, support for one another. Uh, gospel community is a big place where that happens. I have four points here that, that are probably like way incomplete to kind of describe what what the ministry that, that um, each of us are involved in as we're involved in those ministries, what they do, what it provides. Um, 
It grows us to understand who God is and who we are. We see God's design, purpose, and plan for you. For, for you. you can uh, identify a, a sense of belonging in the body as you're, as you're involved in that ministry. Uh, builds relationships and support and care for each other. Um, builds confidence in, in your belonging to God and His family. If we were to back up in this passage a little bit, um, Paul talks about God giving, giving gifts. And we think of those as spiritual gifts. And so as soon as we start talking about work in ministry and, and all those kinds of things, we start to think about, we also start to think about spiritual gifts. And we've talked about it different times. And, and I know sometimes we still can kind of be like, well, well but I'm not sure what my spiritual gift is. And so we kind of start to focus on that. So rather than help you figure that out this morning, I, I want to just say, you know what? If that always sort of scares you, maybe just think about it this way. So, a little over 14 years ago now, actually, when I got the job that I have now, it turned out there was a lot of things in this job that I didn't really know, like, um, I didn't know the details of what goes on. And when I was having the interview, uh, the owner of the company at that time said, it's kind of up to you what you know, what you want to get involved in here and, and how busy you'll be and all that kind of thing. And I thought, well, you know what? Every time anybody at work says, hey, do you want to try this? I'm going to say, yeah. And so that's what I did. And we soon figured out the gifting thing sorts itself out really quickly. And now 14 years later, um, I tried the office for like a day and a half, and I, and I was pretty sore, and so I resisted. And I finally, all right, all right, let's give this a shot. And um, it was sort of a nightmare. Then they put computers in the office, and everybody knew that that was over now. Why will never be in there again? We'll never ask him about anything in there again. That's done. Um, and I didn't have to, we didn't have to do an analysis. It was obvious. It was obvious, um, you know. So I'm not in the office 14 years later. If, if one of the guys needs something to be welded, they might come looking for me. But if the computer's down, nobody's looking for Dwight. So if you're like, you know what, I'm going to be forever confused about this. Maybe just take out a prayer and say, you know what, if I'm a yes to whatever, I'm going to say yes. And if it's not me, we'll say no. And there's not going to be any harm done. There's, there's, it works that way. Nothing, nothing terrible happened. And we got me out of there before it got bad. You know, I was scared out about it. Um, back in verse 11, there we see that um, we see that list of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So the church is provided with leaders that have a variety of gifts that helps with guiding all the people that have a variety of gifts. Or that practical application here at Oak Hill. Um, we don't have that list of guys like in verse 11 per se, at least we don't title them that way. We have elders and a pastor teacher, and from there we have gospel community leaders, and so a main focus there of, the, of those leaders is, is equipping those gospel community leaders, and then the gospel community leaders are getting to know each one of you real well and seeing 
giftings and, and able to bring out that ability to do ministry for each other. And so this is a good spot to put a little plug in there, like in disciple making at Oak Hill, the rubber meets the road in gospel community. So be there, be involved. We're going to get some more of you guys to um, stay in there long. We're anticipating that God is going to call some more of you guys um, and say, you know what? It's really complicated sometimes, but at the heart of it, those leaders just simply need to be guys and say, I can lead people to draw out their spiritual abilities to do the work of ministry maybe even among a very small group of people, just, you know, maybe that guy says, you know what, if I had like three or four people, I could encourage those three or four people, five people, six people, whatever it may be, to speak the truth in love to each other, to do what I'm going to talk about here for the next 15 minutes or so, so let's keep moving. Why all of this? Verse 13 says, It's until we attain to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature man, but to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what the equipping we're attempting to do, all that this is what we're anticipating, to attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to the fullness of Christ. Taking your notes there, number two, grow to the fullness of Christ. So, we're going to go back to chapter one and chapter two of Ephesians. And Paul says it so well, I was almost tempted to like, let's just read the chapter. You know, I've read it, I don't know how many times. Uh, so, maybe that's my assignment to you. Read chapter one and two ten times. Let me try and give it to you so it's real easy to remember and make sense. The fullness of Christ, as I look back at those two chapters, the fullness of Christ is the knowledge, the ability to remember. What, what is that knowledge? What are, what are we remembering? What are we believing in? What are we being confident in? Well, in chapter 1, Paul gives it to us kind of like, this is what God brings to your salvation, your maturity, your growth, uh, however you want to call it. What God brings, uh, or the story told from God's angle is uh, in chapter 1, about verse 3 or 4, I believe, uh, Paul says that God planned before the beginning of time, before there was anything, God planned for you. He planned for your faith. He planned for every moment of your day. He didn't do it because he knew what you were going to be doing and sort of reacted to all that. He, he did it. Paul says a couple times, he says, because of the purpose of his will, for his glory, because of who he is. It, it, it's not like God knew what was going to happen, so he kind of planned something after that. It's more like, it's as simple as maybe you would say, I'm going to mow the grass tomorrow. God said before the beginning of time, put your name in here, he said, I'm going to have all the events of Andre Muller's life occur 
what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it because it's my will, it's my purpose, it's my plan. So God planned, God planned everything before time began. He set forth in Christ. Before time began, God set forth in Christ to unite us back to Him through Christ. Chapter 1, verse 18 talks about a hope that we have because of all that. 19 talks, chapter, verse 19 talks about the immeasurable great power that God has towards us. And toward a little later in chapter 1, God says, and then I'm going to seal that whole deal with the giving of the Holy Spirit. Guarantee. What the good order of this is. Um, what does Jesus bring to all this? Chapter 2 talks about what Jesus brings to brings to our situation. He brings his own blood in, in 2 verse 13. He brings his own blood so that we can have peace with God. Chapter 1 verse 21 talks about Jesus being in a position of great power, verse 22 there says that he's the head of the church. What do we bring to the scenario? Uh, chapter 2 starts out explaining what we bring. We bring spiritual dead. Uh, nothing. In fact, we bring this as children of bread. Before you know Christ, this is what you bring. You're a child of bread. You think you have this all together. An, un an unbeliever thinks he has control of his spiritual condition. You didn't choose God yet, but I could. Whoa. Whoa, that's talking. You're dead. I would submit to you that as an unbeliever, you're here this morning as an unbeliever. You think you can just make a different decision about that tomorrow. Not so fast. Maybe not. You're dead. You're thinking you have it all under control, but you don't have it under control. You're following mindlessly after that death that you can't even tell is death. Thank goodness. But God, because of his love and mercy, saved us, made us alive, seated us with him. He did it to demonstrate his power and his grace and his kindness and his goodness for his glory. He did it all in that way so that we have nothing to boast about. Paul then is to remember who you were, how dead dead is, remember how dead dead is, who you are, and how you got there. It's an eternal perspective. God always has an eternal perspective. So why is it important to remember all this? It's easy to forget because of verse 14. Verse 14 says that we, we no longer be children uh, that are tossed to and fro by the waves. I was going to ask Charlie if um, 
I don't know if the Kings like to go to the store or not. But I'm quite confident. Here, here we got another little word picture. Quite confident that if the Kings do like to go to the store, and Charlie's standing out there at the edge and there's a big wave coming, Mom's not super if Joshua's standing out there and there's a big wave coming that he doesn't see, there's a little more concern there because what Charlie would maybe just kind of, ooh, and hit my wave, you know, pull up Joshua, he'd do a face plan. Let's get him, you know, let's, let's keep him safe here. What are those waves? Uh, every wind of doctrine, human cunning, craftiness in, de in deceitful schemes, Every wind of doctrine could be, um, I, think, I know I'm tempted to think like, oh no, there's something really, really complicated about Christian theology that i got to have all perfectly squared away. Um, that's not the stuff that, that, that's not the wave that runs into me on a regular basis. The wave, a wave that I might hear more often is just simply a, uh, maybe a universalist mentality where, God is good. Almost all people are good. So everybody's getting them. We're just going to get their different ways. You know, uh, uh, just more of a... Or maybe it's something completely different than that. It's just a, a fear or a doubt that steals faith. Maybe a fear that God has or wouldn't, wouldn't bother Certainly a false doctrine. Maybe human cunning is, is as simple as just starting to fall back into an old way of thinking. Um, it's easy to is it easy to start out well and to continue? That's how I find it for me. I, I think I think that's normal. For, for for example, what if I have, little story of how that's going on in my life right now. So back in the spring at the end of March, I, I smashed my hand. And when I was in the ER, I was doing good. I was thinking, um, you know, obviously God from eternity has had a plan that I would have all my fingers but not use them for a little while. And just believing that, that uh, he has a purpose for that and I can rest in his provision even though this isn't how I would have planned my day. Now months later when many, many times a day I think, my goodness, is my hand always going to be numb and useless and weak and fall asleep? It's a little harder than in that first couple hours as, as, a, as time drags on. It's a little harder to say, no, this still is God's provision. Um, his way still is perfect. It's a little harder over the past time to continue to believe all those things. So we need we need a community of equippers around us because it's a challenge to keep on keeping on. So if you're in your in your next there, a community of equippers. Um, I use the word community there because one of the words in the descriptive. In Oak Hill language, we, we would more often say family. So if that 
we're talking about this community, when we use the word community there, and like I said, you know, we, we typically refer to that as our, as our family. Uh, we said many times it's not just a family, it is a family, a spiritual family. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way into him who is the head into Christ. Speak the truth in love. So an equipper is just simply one who speaks lovingly points to Christ. In all of those life's challenges or blessings or whatever God might have plan for your day this week or whatever it might be. The people around you um, that speak that truth into that situation. So I'll put another plug in for gospel community. This is where you have those conversations, right? Where you should. Where you will with your new leader. It's gospel application for all the situations of life. And, and it's equally challenging to apply the gospel to the trials of life as it is to the blessings of life, uh, the failures, the shortcomings, or, or the great successes. But it's, it's so important to bring it back to that. Speaking the truth in love uh, in every way or in every situation, uh, in all circumstances, in all circumstances, we need to be asking, we need to be asking each other, we need to be talking about how does this circumstance bring me into Christ? Who is the head? Back in chapter one, chapter one, Christ is the head of the church. Romans eleven, verse thirty-six says, For from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever. Amen. And in verse 16, Paul makes another comparison. For whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The whole body, every joint. What I want you to hear in that verse is. Every joint is every single person. So, I want to talk to the people for a second, or the person, or whatever it might be, that, yes, without a doubt, when you, when, Dwight, when you review what God has done, what Jesus has done, the death that I brought to this situation, I, I believe that, I embrace that. I don't doubt that applies to me, but where's my next step? Um, I don't feel like a joint. I mean, I feel a little more disjointed. I've wondered where I fit in. I see all these big things going on, and I'm not part of any of the big things. If that's you, this verse says to me, every joint, every person, has huge intrinsic value. The example I want to give you for that is right about all of you know this. Um, 
about 15 years ago, my, my father passed away with cancer, and, and he had uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So he was about 55 when he first got sick in July. He was a picture of health, 55-year-old um, man, like Lock all day long or, or, or whatever else. Um, different times. I, I know myself and others were like, well, pretty, pretty strong guy from the mid-50s. And he, like, I'm sure probably none of you got up this morning and said, I wonder if my lymphocytes are fine today. Uh, I don't even know what they do. Uh, I, they, they, don't, they don't cross our minds, right? It's a very insignificant um, don't know where they are, like, and like I said, July, if my dad hadn't got any treatment, just because there was something wrong with this little tiny unknown lymph something, uh, had he not got any treatment, he would have died by Thanksgiving. So if you're here this morning and, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm just... I feel like I'm nothing more than a legendary uh, in this body. Like, nobody's there to me. Um, haven't contributed. Probably 99.5% of my dad's body was in perfect health. But there was just this one little thing that had some little cells in it that aren't right. That's all it was, and, and, and that spelled death. And so I would, I, I'm, if you're like me, and I just, I, I, I'm the unnerved, haven't done anything, I'm the lived there. You know what? The smallest, I received a word of encouragement Thursday evening from one of the guys. And it was just a comment. Hey, I know you're preaching on Sunday, and I'm praying for you. That's not like a giant ministry with a big title. But it was huge to me. And, and maybe you're sitting there saying, well, I don't even know how to say that one word. Your prayer, or maybe one other person, Maybe it's even short, about as big as a lymph node. That can be the difference between life and death. And that's why Paul says every joint needs to be working properly. Every, every lymph node needs to be working properly. Even if all it's giving is one little word of encouragement, or all it's giving is one little tiny prayer. The health of the body needs the smallest finisher in the most vital way to make the difference between life and death. So I would ask that person specifically, I would ask each one of us to remember this. This is in chapter 2, if you need to look for it later. Remember that you were at one time separated from God, having no hope in 
without God in the world, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I want you to think about brought near as not like you're across the room and you came up here within 10 feet of me. I want you to think of brought near as you were south of the Mason-Dixon line, walking the wrong direction, brought near, like brought back to a strong embrace, brought near, that brought that near. Or maybe you would think of it this way, like a dirty homeless orphan brought near to a child of a king in a mansion. That's what brought near means. Don't mean to get a little closer. It means completely different. Now in Christ Jesus. Don't think about your value as your value. Think about your value in the body as Christ in you. That's where the value comes from. Christ in you, that's the hope of glory. I'm going to close in prayer with a prayer that Paul prayed. Let's pray. God, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to Oak Hill Fellowship Church. Stay connected with us by finding us on social media or by joining us Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Until then, remember that you are loved.